Welcome back to our listeners. You are tuning in to Keeping Up With Your Wellness, and I am your host, Lori Carice. Today, I have with us Simone G, and uh, we are going to talk about live and work well alongside invisible illnesses. This is a great topic. So Simone, welcome. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you. You know, that term has become very um, relatable, right? Invisible mm-hmm. illnesses. I mean, that that could probably mean many, many things. Um, but as far as like autoimmune deficiencies and mm-hmm. such, I mean, I think this is definitely building awareness for sure. Yes, Even with absolutely. that simple even that simple term is great for building awareness because people can really kind of see themselves with something that's invisible and then take it further as far as chronic illnesses and different challenges. So take it away, Simone, tell us about this. Yes. I I love how you actually started that because of one of the, the first of three things I'd like to discuss is what is invisible illness and why is it so important to define it and then touch base on acknowledging how societal cultural norms come into impacting our well-being, and finally how we're in charge of our health, how, where we have the seat of empowerment. So first, what is invisible illness and why is it so important to define it? Um, invisible illness, really, it's not a trick question, but so many of us, myself included, make it one. If you have a health challenge that you can't see, that's invisible illness. And there are hundreds of different kinds. Autoimmune is one. You also have heart and diabetes, any endocrine system, seizures. I mean, the list just goes on and there's literally hundreds of rare diseases too. Um, and some of them come with a lot of stigma around them too. And that I think has a big impact on how, depending on what the invisible illness is, we, our relationship with it. Um, So first the CDC, um, six out of 10 individuals has one or more chronic illness. So it's extremely prevalent. And according to Mark Hyman, a recent article, he released 93.5% of us do not have optimal metabolic well-being. So very few of us, even if we don't acknowledge health challenges or invisible illness, very few of us are really living with optimal well-being from a physical perspective. Um, and when we don't acknowledge that we are indeed, whether you want to say suffering, living with, living alongside, however we relate to it at this point in time, then we tend to let's um, deny it. And if we're denying our reality, then we can't really do our best to manage it and to make the best choices for ourselves. And I'll share a really silly story of how strong denial can be. (laughs) Um, This was many, many years ago, started actually in right before college. I used to have really bad knee pain. I mean, excruciating to the point I pretty much drug my one leg for years and you could see the atrophy. And every day for seven years, I would look at a stairwell and say, it's not gonna hurt today. And between pulling, because I wanted to be optimistic, <laughs> and between pulling myself up, dragging myself, at times crawling, besides the excruciating pain, I'd be frustrated. I'd be mad at myself. So it adds a second layer of suffering, of emotional suffering on top of the actual health challenge when we deny. And that's maybe an extreme sample. But one day I looked at that stairwell and I'm just like, it's going to hurt today. And it did. But I got to the top and that was it. 
that second layer of emotional pain, you, 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 when you're able to let go of that, now you open the doors to be curious, to find the right solutions for you that work so you can live better alongside the health challenges. And that denial versus acceptance is just so key in addressing it. Um, and then I guess I'll just go ahead and continue on to the second point. And that is, you know, to acknowledge how societal and cultural norms are impacting our well-being. Um, you know, we base our definition, tend to base our definition of success, most of us, based on societal and cultural norms. We may be even how we think we should work with a health challenge or how, in what ways we should work. And the pandemic has lightened that up a lot, brought in a lot more flexibility and so forth. But there's still a busyness, uh, a norm of busyness. And that impacts our daily habits, our daily actions, how we think about ourselves. So the first thing is, you know, I guess acknowledging why, why do these norms have such an impact on us? Why are we so pulled into us? And basically on a human nature, we want to belong, we want to fit in. It's hard to like sometimes it's hard to think of yourself needing to do something different. It, it because of norms can feel weak. Um, another example, back in college, I didn't, I ate alone a lot of times because it hurt so bad to walk up the hill to the cafeteria and I couldn't keep up with my friends. So, you know, that was instead of opening up and sharing my challenges, I kind of hid behind them. And that's not healthy. Again, I wasn't fully accepting the impact. Um, so when you acknowledge that allowing other norms, thinking we have to do something a certain way or like others, or when we have a new injury or illness, the way we used to do it, that might not be possible anymore, not for a period of time. And when we don't acknowledge that, we push ourselves. And when we do that, we cause we're, we're going against our well-being instead of making decisions that support it. Um, so I guess just realizing societal norms don't need to be your norms. You know, think about what, what you might be doing that um, maybe friends or peers or family are doing that you know has a negative consequence on you. And just jot it down, think about it and, and work to make another decision around that. And that's taking action. And so it puts you again in that seat of power to make better choices. What kind of changes have you seen in, you know, personal or workplace environments that are more accommodating? I mean, I'm, I'm actually even kind of, I actually just got a new job. I've returned to work full time aside from having my own uh, career as an entrepreneur for 15 years. Okay. You mentioned COVID. COVID really kind of killed part of my business. I'm in the events mm -hmm. industry also. Yeah. And while I saw a lot of recovery, I also kind of went, ah, do I really want to, you know, I mean, do I want mm -hmm. to recover all that part of my business? That being said, I made some difficult choices that are really positive actually, because I went back, um, full-time in, you know, back to corporate America advertising, I still run my business and that's more, you know, weekends now, but because of that, I'm watching a lot of 
training videos, office environment, security, obviously, is one, and uh, diversity and acceptance, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is a big change. The last time I applied for a job, and I'm using air quotes with you right now, um, <laughs> you know, we didn't have these kind of things. I think, we, you yeah. know, we started to touch on sexual harassment when I left, but <laughs> yes, you know, so tell me about some positive changes you've seen. Um, I think, you know, I've, I'm out of the corporate world since 2008. However, I stay in close contact through a variety of groups and so forth, who, who a lot, a lot of individuals who actually are in the DEI space. Um, and I think there's been a lot of change, obviously, from the perspective of there's more flexibility. I think we're the biggest growth around any type of, uh, um, um, some, some, sometimes individuals include um, various like um, ADHD, um, neurodivergent, and so forth in with invisible illness. Others don't. So, however, those are areas where there's a big effort happening. Um, so, and that's good. You know, how, how, what are different ways to support individuals whose brains, who, who do use their brains differently? Uh, what are their different strengths and where do they need support and so forth. So I think that area is being very well supported. Typically when you see well-being right now um, in relation to workplaces, I'm seeing it referencing specifically um, emotional and mental well-being. I look at well-being as seven areas and physical, I break it down actually into seven areas itself. So physical and emotional, um, all they are all interrelate. So so the flexibility alone for individuals who have various types of physical invisible illness definitely can, is just a game changer, I think, because if somebody has, I'll give it, somebody has a pain condition from injuries, I used to spend two, three hours doing physical therapy in the morning just to keep functioning, to be able to show up. And it would, it would take me so long to get moving each day that I, I, being on the East Coast, always chose to work with individuals in California because that was 11 o'clock when my day started, when their days was starting. And I had time then to get my body moving and so forth and create that environment that supported me so I could take care and improve my well-being over the over time. Um, so I, I think there still needs to be a lot more accommodations around different types of lighting can kick off migraines for people. Um, different types, the you know, ergonomic setup. The, the having the money it takes to put into a, a chair that will work for somebody might greatly impact the number of hours that individual can work with focus, without pain, with more cognitive availability and so forth. Um, so I think there needs to be a, I'm not seeing that yet. Very rarely am I seeing that level of support around invisible illness. You know, Right before we started to record, um, I mentioned to you, you know, that I wanted to connect you with, connect you with one of our other radio hosts who mm-hmm. does a lot of um, segments on, you know, chronic illnesses. And I was telling you, you know, you're going to carry today's topic because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not able to really relate um, to, you know, to this lifestyle need. But the more you're speaking, I'm realizing I do have a connection, mm-hmm. and. My daughter, my youngest daughter, has carried an IEP at school for many years up until this year. And that was kind of a forced 
that, that was forced by me because she was actually um, really emotionally struggling with okay. feeling different, mm-hmm. feeling different and being pulled out of classes. And yeah. I want to acknowledge that our school district has a lot of resources when it comes to learning disabilities and challenges. And hers is pretty minor, but it still put her in that class. Mm-hmm. And she had both um, pull out and push in resources. And I had wished it had been more push in than pull out only because the pull out coming out of COVID mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, going into fifth grade and you're, you're feeling different. You're feeling a little more, you know, feeling a little older and a little more grown up. You're going through body changes. Right. And, and then also the loss of those connections through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also being labeled as different and kids are not always kind about that. Like, Oh, you have to go have a special teacher and you have to do the math test again. And that's different. Um, it really affected her emotionally and it Mm -hmm. was a huge emotional strain in the home for all of us, for all of us. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I, I took on because her situation was pretty mild. Um, I went ahead and removed her IEP and we've given her some other tutoring opportunities and, and we're getting through it. And, I had to make choices though, between her nurturing her, her disability, Mm -hmm. um, of actual learning and nurturing the emotional disability that came with it. Yeah, exactly. And And so I don't know if I made the, I don't know if I made the right choice, honestly, but I made the choice that us as a household, I felt like we needed to live with because Mm -hmm. I felt like the emotional that was crashing. I mean, I really, you know, you get it young girls you worry about. I was starting to worry about like self-harm. Yeah. So the overall well-being, that's part. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's part of when I refer to living and working well alongside health challenges. It's looking at that overall well-being and how to make the best decisions. And that comes from acceptance. So you are able to look and accept and see, see the reality of where she was having challenges and adjust the path. But if you're denying it, if you're trying to push it aside and well, it'll be okay. And that's kind of one of the things that I use, like for what does denial sound like? Oh, I'm just tired today for physical health. It'll be, I'll be better tomorrow. If, if I just push through, I get this, I'll rest. I'll be fine. You know, these kind of statements that those are signs that we're probably denying the impact. And then we can't make those best decisions. Like you consciously weighed the different pros and cons and made a decision because you were, you did take the time to have the awareness. I did. And it was a big part of my life a year ago, but I have to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I, I feel like I've set that aside. And, mm-hmm. and now having this conversation with you, I'm realizing even though we've solved that emotional problem, I see her grades, her grades still struggle and mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a, a journey for her, but I I'm realizing the level of sensitivity that's needed. Her brain just works different. She still solves mm-hmm. the problem just in a different way. Exactly. um, Exactly. Yeah. So grabbing the right, the right support mm -hmm. is what will help her grow. And yes, you're talking about denial. I I do feel like, and this moment right now, I need to switch that because I, 
I think I have almost forgotten, you know, when it's not right in front of you, that challenge, you, you mm-hmm. forget it exists. Well, she's in those regular classes. The emotional mm-hmm. aspect of this has gone away, but guess what I have to do? I do need to, to be reminded that she has learning challenges and yes. those frustrations. And, you know, I have to deal with, go do your homework and go do this. <laughs> and how'd you do on your tests so differently from my other daughter? You yes. know, they're, they're totally different learners. Um, yeah, you really have me thinking, you know, I often say on these podcasts that I get my 15 minutes of therapy <laughs> when, when I do, you know, recordings with experts and you're giving me that therapy and that aha moment that, you know, when I saw your title live and work well alongside invisible illnesses. And I'm like, well, how can I really, um, contribute to this other yeah. than, you know, moderating and introducing you, but I think if we all kind of look within, we we either have are dealing with something mm-hmm. or maybe a caregiver of someone, and we do need exactly. to be understanding of what those needs are for that other individual. Yes, because that individual, depending where they're at, they might not be able to ask for the right help, or they might be so in denial themselves. Trust me, I call myself the queen of denial that sometimes you need some help, um, but and. I want to share, I actually, when, as you were talking about your daughter and it, this came to my mind, I actually co-wrote a song with Christina Wells of America's Got Talent and she's the performer and it's Courage to Be You. And it was inspired through caregiving for my dad, you know, that if, to, to show up every day, I couldn't hide my physical challenges. I couldn't get away with, I'm just tired today. I'm just whatever. I couldn't, or my neck's just stiff when I could hardly move my head at the time. Um, so, so I had to, I couldn't hide anymore. And that was kind of the, the, the lesson I got from being there though, through what was actually incredible experience was that all that from my dad, that all that matters is the impact we have and the, and the love we share. So the song is about not, not wearing your mask anymore, letting your struggles be seen and accepting that. And that we all can have an impact that no matter how, it's, it's um, six feet or a mile, doesn't matter how far. So being kind to someone, understanding, having compassion, uh, huge ripple fa- effects just from that, these little daily actions that we all, no matter where we are, what, what our challenges are, um, there's all kinds of different challenges. We all can have this kind of impact on the world. I wish they talked about that a little bit more in school because they talk a lot about it. You know, we're, we're now in the day and age where schools are talking about you know, gender diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion. And I think that's all great. Yeah. But I think, I think a lot of that is more related to what we see, mm-hmm. not what we don't see. Yes. And we all, we all, whether there's physical or not, we all carry things that people don't see challenges, whether it's with relationship, with work, with ourselves, with illness, we all carry things we don't see. Mm-hmm. Mm. You had me really thinking today. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I introduced you as Simone G. I'd love for you to pronounce your last name. And you also, uh, your company is Balance Up Lifestyle and you're a business coach. So yes. give it, give us your little uh, intro without <laughs> me calling you Simone G here, even though you gave me permission to do so. 
Yes, it's Simone John Giordano. I go by Simone G for obvious reasons. It's much easier. And I primarily work with individuals who have um, invisible illness that impacts their ability to live the lifestyle they desire and manage the business. They're, you know, struggling with the business as a result of the health challenges, often because of the site, what I call the cycle of setbacks or go, 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 I'm doing this. And then, oh, geez, you know, you're recovering and you're doing it again. You just never really struggling to get where you want to go as a result of that and the day-to-day -day uncertainties around health challenges um, and, and so forth. So really helping people create that lifestyle, create that business that supports the well-being, that creates the environment. Wonderful. The business model that supports your well-being. And, and you're doing very important work. So I thank you for that as well. And I hope it goes appreciated by all. Like I, like I said, I have a new appreciation for this conversation that I had no idea I was entering. Well, that's, so, I'm honored. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. So for our podcast listeners, of course, in show notes, that allows me to uh, include all your contact information, how to find you for our radio only listeners. Tell us the best way to connect with you. Um, my website, I have a variety of resources, lots of blogs um, around various areas of living well alongside health challenges, and that is simoneg.net. So again, it's Simone G as in George.net, N-E-T. Wonderful. Simone, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lori. And this has been Keeping Up With Your Wellness.